What is the law? Not to run on all fours. That is the law. Are we not men? What is the law? Not to eat meat. That is the law. Are we not men? What is the law? Not to spill blood. That is the law. Are we not men? This week is episode 19, The Island of Lost Souls. Remember to stay tuned after the show for more information, or you can check out our website, www.goldenagehorror.com. talk about the island of lost souls which is a 1932 science fiction slash horror film starring charles lawton richard arlen leela hyams bella lugosi and kathleen burke directed by earl c kenton from a script written by philip wiley and adapted from the film the um novel, novel the island of dr moreau by hg wells Fun fact about Philip Wiley, he also wrote the book Gladiator, um, which is a pretty great book, actually, and also the inspiration for Doc Savage and Superman. Oh. What, isn't Doc Savage an inspiration for Superman? Yeah, but I think, uh, I think, um, I think Philip, uh, I think Gladiator was specifically listened as an inspiration of Superman, where Doc Savage was never acknowledged. Oh. Uh. And, uh, it predates them both, and it's... I, actually, I would say clo- it's even though it predates them both, and the character is probably closer, um, is is sort of in between the two. Uh, it's probably closer to Superman. Yeah, but yeah, that's uh, a good book. It's not an alien though. So, uh, it's not what? It's not about an alien. Oh, okay. Which I'm sure was your question. It was. I. That's my number one question. about every book is whether or not it's about an alien. Um, so, the story of the island of Doctor Moreau, or the story of this movie, which is vaguely, which is pretty close to the island of Doctor Moreau, from what I remember, having read it in high school, is that a traveler is shipwrecked um, on an island owned by a 
sinister and charming uh, London doctor who is performing bizarre vivisectionary experiments on animals. And it turns out that he has made a bunch of animal people. And it's all pretty messed up from there. Yep. Mostly, like, a lot of really, really hairy people. Yeah. What is the law? What is the law? So, yeah, this this movie is uh, also pretty notable for basically... For what is the law? Creating Devo. Yep. Are we not men? Are we not men? And uh, there's also the whip stuff from that video. Maybe it's something like that. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, to be fair, are we not men? It's a very good line. It is. There's a lot of good lines in this movie. Um, Like, are we not men? So Charles Lawton plays Dr. Moreau. He does a great job. I think he's a very physical actor. He very... He says the important job of portraying someone who is sinister as someone who does not believe that they are sinister. Yeah. And also, like, he can tell he has no, um, no, uh, compunction about, I mean, he has no, uh, idea that, that, uh, he's in any danger at the end. Of, that's one of my favorite parts of the movie to skip way ahead. It's at the end when he's whipping and he, like there, he's firing off his whip and he's trying to get everyone back under control. He has like no conception that he's in any danger. No, because why until would like be? they actually like pull him apart, he, they're savages, and he's the sophisticated English gentleman. Yep. Is this movie about imperialism? It mm. feels like it's about imperialism. It feels I, like it's for tinges of anti-imperialism in it. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe I think to some extent, yeah. It, it appear, it's against, it's anti-imperialism in the sense that I think it's anti-paternalism, which it's, is like which is something that's sort of tied up with imperialism. Uh, it's something. There's something about a wealthy Englishman coming to a small secluded island and subjugating and manipulating its native inhabitants. Mm-hmm. That's that's you know things. A lot of imperialism. Yeah, I I don't know that the movie has any particular standard or anything. I mean, maybe that's a seep, maybe that seeps through from the book, and the movie yeah. has no other choice but to actually yeah. have it in there. Yeah, accidentally stuff might happen. They might have a theme by accident. Yeah. I mean, books usually have themes. Books usually think about this kind of thing. And I thought, didn't H.G. Wells, wasn't he a very socially conscious writer? He was a socialist. I'm not sure his stance on imperialism, to I be would, honest. I mean, if he's a socialist, he probably didn't like it. Yeah. Call it a hunch. Yeah, but he's sort of a socialist in the in the height of the British Empire, so it's not clear i think it to me the way i've always heard it read is that it's more of a comment on um uh, our influence on nature okay i think you might be i mean i don't think your reading is wrong i just think you might be reading it differently than it was intended to be read i mean text is the text well yeah but text is the text <laughs> well, i think we were talking about this before where it's you know you're you're entitled to uh If like especially in the situation like this where it's it's not like it's not really a point of it shouldn't even really be a point of contention because it's a fairly yeah. it's fairly easy reading to find. You know, like right. what you're saying, like it's it makes perfect sense. I guess it depends whether it depends on how much you respect nature and whether you put it on the same level as a man or not. You don't obviously. I mean, you do obviously. You don't. I know you don't obviously. 
viewing this as simply a an, an invasion of nature and man's you know influence on it rather than man's just influence on life in general I mean in in one sense man is intrinsically a part of nature because as we all know man is the most dangerous game right <laughs> but man is so so far removed from nature at this point that it doesn't even like it's, man is barely recognizable as being part of nature it's hard they're hardly game at all no <laughs> they're more just like not so little left of humanity is natural at this point So this is this movie is also one of the best um, best arguments against the uh, apocryphal story about the Frankenstein makeup being uh, too much for Bela Lugosi. Oh yeah, because he is unidentifiable as Bela Lugosi, except for when he speaks. Yeah, he's was... like he's just a big hairy wolf man. Yep. And I've actually I I don't know if I corrected myself in the podcast or not, but since 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 we talked about it, I've read some other stuff. And apparently that story is not backed by fact. What story? The story that he didn't want to do the makeup for Frankenstein. And that was oh. as he turned it down. Like apparently he was just replaced for some, like maybe possibly, possibly by James Whale, just because he didn't like Bela Lugosi. Oh. Bela Lugosi's, uh, what do you call it? I'm, I'm not Pro, sure. Uh, performance. Oh. Take, take on the character. Too much, too much Dracula, too much talking. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Although I have heard, uh, I think it was more to do with Frank Frankenstein doesn't have any lines. Yeah, I think that had more to do with it. But I think Frankenstein would be worse with Bela Lugosi playing Frankenstein. I mean, probably. Bela Lugosi isn't usually very subtle. Yeah, that's basically yeah. That was exactly what I was about to say is that I think Karloff is um, much better at playing subtle. I think Frankenstein would be a wild. I don't know, like a, I just paid a wild-eyed Frankenstein's like doing weird hand gestures and stuff, <laughs> performing the zombies, the Franken grip. Yeah. Well, even that, even when he's Dracula, he's always like flipping his fingers around and. Yeah. Flippers. He's behaving like someone who has a lot of motor control. And when he's here and when he's saying the laws, he's flipping his fingers around. He's well. That's that's the law. That's like the second one. Yeah. Are we not men? Are we not finger flippers? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, um, I think this movie's fairly chilling. Yeah, it's, I think it's. I don't know. So, I don't know if I've just been growing into better movies, or I've just gotten like more used to the era. But I've been enjoying been enjoying these movies a lot more the yeah. more I've watched them. Maybe I'm just sort of accept. I don't know if I don't know if the movies are better if I'm becoming more accepting of the style. I think. Uh, I think it's a combination of the two. I don't know. I think, like I said, you did watch some some strong ones to begin with, like The Mad Love and uh, Black Cat are both good. And all these movies are movies that I thought were better than other movies from the era. Yeah. So, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Dracula, Frankenstein, The Bride of Frankenstein, this one, um, not so much The Most Dangerous Game, but a lot of the other ones I think are, like, the best movies. Also, um, so like the Panther Woman, right? Yep. Why is she like a baby? Well, she's like a panther. Like a baby panther. <laughs> like a baby kitten panther. What? Does she turn I don't into know. Like a baby panther? No, she was just like so... She had that like weird like 
infantile kind of behavior. Well, that's because she's like a sex kitten. Yeah, but a baby sex kitten? Yeah, baby sex kitten. You want all your sex kittens to be infantile. Yeah, you know what I mean, though. It's just weird. I don't like it. Well, she... <laughs> Thumbs down to Panther Woman? <laughs> Thumbs down. Thumbs down to infant women. <laughs> it's like that... <laughs> She's like that character from 30 Rock, the one who talks like a baby. Yeah, I, I kind of remember what you're saying. But, um... Yeah, so that's that's uh we didn't talk about the Panther Woman really yet, but uh the one of the main um like things that happens on the island is uh Parker, the shipwrecky, meets a uh what he assumes is the only woman on the island, a woman named Loda. Yeah. Who, as anyone with a brain will see coming, uh is a in fact one of Moreau's vivisected animal men. Um She's well, animal women, I guess. She's the only woman. She's a panther woman, yes. and uh, Moreau has been manipulating them to try to procreate, just because he's a weirdo. Right. He's like gets in, turns the mood lighting way down. Yeah. <laughs> turns on some smooth music. Yeah, basically, I guess he just keeps locking them in a room together or whatever. But it's the best you can. Mean, if you lock you people do. in a room enough times, eventually they're gonna have sex. Yeah, sure. It, that's, well, just, that's just theory. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did Doctor Moreau get out much? He did. He, he did his best. <laughs> I mean, his next, his next, his next, the next stage of his plan was to go in there and just whip them till they had sex. But I don't know, <laughs> like, or yell, shout at them. Yeah, like he clearly had very little dating experience. Yeah. So this is movies rated PG. Oh yeah, of course, as is to be expected. Seems like a PG rated movie. Yeah, I mean, most movies have a lot of, like, vivisection and rape implications in them. I mean, it's really weird, usually, but, like, they have them there. The House of Pain, one of the best um, set pieces in any of these movies. Sets, I guess. I don't know. Concepts? What am I trying to say? It's a cool um, idea. It's a cool idea. Having a big House of Pain is a cool idea? Yeah, the, well, the name of it being called the House of Pain. Yep. A, the way it is regarded by the way the way the way it's used in the movie is great. First, uh, as a just like a uh, first how how they set it up by showing the uh, uh, the animal men reacting to it its existence, and then at the end how it obviously becomes a uh, the instrument of Moreau's demise. It becomes the house of hoisting on petards. Yes. Also, I mean, it's a house of pain, but that's where he makes all his... That's where he creates his life, you know? Isn't it more like a house of life? Yeah, a house of where he just cuts people... I mean, he's, there's not creating any life. It's not like he's making new animals. He's just... I don't know what the hell he's doing to these people, to, <laughs> these animals, to make them, like, walk upright. It can't, can't be very that. pleasant. I, I don't know. Sure, what he's... Yeah, I never... I saw him, like, point the flower. He's like, look at this lily. It's gigantic. That's how I turned this man into a... That's how I turned this panther into a woman. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. The science behind it. I mean, we're just supposed to be horrified at it, I think. Yeah, but I mean, it's still science fiction. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I didn't learn it. I feel like I wasn't taught a science lesson. No, I don't think it's trying to teach you a science lesson. I, like, I think I think H.G. Wells is kind of like... Uh, 
I think there's some business about Jules Verne like mocking H.G. Wells for re- like being called a science fiction writer, but never actually including any science in his movies, his books. I mean, wait, yeah. I, that's that's not familiar to me. Yeah, that so makes sense. I think it's what happened because you know Jules Verne was very into like putting the latest developments of science in his books. Right. I mean, but also science fiction is usually about you know. The science plays an actual important role yeah. rather than a simple plot device. Yeah, I mean, and, and he, I mean, Wells is more interested in poetic imagery or or metaphor than actual science. And then just using like made up things as a vehicle yeah. for that. Invisible people. Yeah, well, I mean, in that situation, he was inspired by the discovery of a uh, monocane, which is an Indian flower that, if you inject, drives you crazy, but in- invisible. Oh yeah, as we still use this day to, <laughs> yep, make, people to, invisible. <laughs> to make people invisible murders, <laughs> and uh, the War of the Worlds, inspired by the Martian invasion, more of like a true, like a like a man on the ground report of the Martian invasion of England. <laughs> yeah, that was that was more of like an autobiography mm-hmm. of his own exper- personal yeah. experiences. He he played a Martian. I mean, real life. Wait. He yeah, there's like he wasn't yeah. in real life. I mean, there's basically there's very little science in this movie. Yeah, that's fine. It's, it's more, more about like, pushing your buttons. Yeah, it's more the point of this movie. It's more the horrors of science, but like not the implications of what that science is. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming he's just cutting holes in them and putting metal like, rods in them to make them walk. Just stretching them. Yeah, stretching them out. Just doing horrible things. Shoot them up with some drugs. Yeah. Yeah, and then only only to have it backfire on him. As it turns out, he broke the law. Yep. You can't not to hurt the man or whatever the law is that he breaks. Spill blood. Spill the blood. Was he not man? Isn't that, like the, isn't that the ultimate question? Yeah. Was Dr. Moreau man? Maybe. Probably. But not a very good one. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else we didn't cover in this movie. Um, well, I mean, this is the basic plot, but that's not really that important. A guy follows, what's his face? Jonathan Harker winds up on an island, and he doesn't know why he's there. And then, Doc, and then Dr. Moreau tries to have, have the Panther woman have, like, babies with him. Yep. Didn't work, though. No. Which is technically bestiality. I mean, uh, there's, um... So this is, like, the first adaptation of The Island of Dr. Moreau. There's also a ill-fated, like, 1996 or 1994 one starring Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando as The Island of Dr. Moreau. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, this is what... I don't, this is, like, one of Marlon Brando's last movies, and, uh... They're actually... I, the other reason I brought it up is because they're actually making a documentary about the making of it. Because it's one of those films that was uh, conceived on one level, and then uh, the director and the person, like the person who was driving as the director, was removed yeah. from it like three days into it. Oh, and uh, the movie was like then finished by like the studio essentially, and it ended up came up a lot different than what they had originally imagined. And also, uh, one of the reasons he was removed is because he couldn't keep Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer in line. They're apparently only interested in sabotaging the movie. Weird. Val, uh, there's a now. I, there was a trailer for it. I was. They were just talking about Marlon Brando, and he was just apparently covering himself in white paper. I, I don't know. He's just like a complete weirdo. 
I'm not sure. <laughs> why would they? I don't. Why would they get? Why would they do the movie? They just didn't clearly want to do the movie. Uh, well, I mean, that's Marlon Brando's does this, like, stories about him doing that in every particular movie. Yeah, you know, like he was doing. Uh, if you look up like Apocalypse Now, Marlon Brando stories, I'm pretty sure it's like he would like insist on doing like, like, um, like slow motion readings of all his lines, like try it that way, and like try him with like a lampshade on his head and just like notoriously difficult guy and Val <laughs> Kilmer is also pretty I think notoriously difficult so well Val Kilmer doesn't have a lot to stand on yeah well so he, he, should, he was a big movie he star he should dial it back a little he was a big movie star in 1990 whatever 1996 he was but <laughs> he was Batman and uh, Ron Perlman played the the sayer of the law in that movie I mean that makes sense for Ron Perlman he's sort of like a modern day Bela Lugosi yeah, absolutely. Giant jaw. Plays Dracula. Except he wears a lot of makeup, so he's more kind of like a bell. He's more like a Boris Karloff. Sure. He played Renfield in Dracula. Fort Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Weird. That was fine. I mean, he... That makes sense. He does an English accent. Is it good? Eh, it's okay. It's an English accent. It's not as bad as you might think. Or wait, is it Tom Waits that does that movie? I'm confused. What are you talking about? I'm just thinking I could be confusing Tom Waits and Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman? I do it all the time, so. (laughs) That makes sense. They look kind of the same. Maybe. Anyway... The Island Doctor Moreau. Yeah, it was Tom Waits. It was Tom Waits at Renfield. Okay. So his English accent's not that great. <laughs> I don't I don't I actually don't think uh what's his name would even try an English accent. Ron Perlman? Yeah. No. I don't know if I've ever seen him do accents. <laughs> Episode 19 of the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. Visit our website for more information, articles, and show notes. My first ebook is out on Amazon. It's called All Godless Here. Uh, we've got another one coming out soon called Weird Dawn, about silent horror films. If you liked our podcast, you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes. If you don't want to miss an episode or hear about new ebooks, um, join our mailing list at our website, or you can like us on Facebook at all facebook.com slash allgodlessyear or you can check us out on iTunes leave us a review please follow me on twitter at the water method or andrew at pizza pranks andrew's website is www.pizzapranks.com our theme music is the swan lake dub by Dubology and next week we're talking about freaks thanks for listening again that website is oldenagehorror.com